All right, brother. Can you see where it says recording at all, even though you're on your phone? I think it's in the right-hand side, yeah. Yes, beautiful. Awesome. Well, this is the third installment of The Illogic Podcast, and I've got my friend Sam Hopkinson here with me. And I, I've known Sam now for, I don't know, it was 2011. That, that was your favorite year. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it was about five years now, five, six years. Five, six. Yeah, yeah. Sam and I met. We both went to UW River Falls, and we both met in um, in a uh, uh, residence hall. And Sam was just down the hall from from me and my roommates at the time. And I, I remember the first thing that we did. We went to you know Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, watch some watch some sports, eat some wings, hit it off, and uh, we've been friends ever since. And we went to school for the same thing, right? Marketing communications, and yeah, marketing communications. And yeah, we've just been we've been friends ever since. And uh, I'm happy to have you on, brother. Um, you know, I, I you're you're somebody who I I right when I first started thinking about doing this podcast, you're somebody that came right to the forefront. Uh, as somebody who I wanted to to have on for sure. And um, I appreciate you, you know, accepting and, and coming to talk with me. Anytime, man, anytime I'm looking forward to it. So where I basically, I, I want to start from the very beginning of Sam Hopkinson's story. Um, because you, unlike myself, you're not originally from Wisconsin, you're from Illinois, um, more so the Chicago area, right? So, um, so, so just t- tell me a little bit about like sort of your background, where you started and how you came to uh, call Wisconsin your home now and, and be in River Falls here um, at this point in time. Sounds good. So, yeah, I uh, grew up in a suburb called Wakanda of Chicago and uh, grew up there and really enjoyed it. Um, my dad uh, got laid off from his company back when I was a kid and we were having problems with the home with water quality and things of that nature they found uh, a chemical called vinyl chloride in the water and essentially you would turn on the faucet and it would look like oil Uh, so me and my family decided to move up into Wisconsin that's where we used to vacation you know and they always say you know never move to your vacation spot and, you know, that's kind of true. But, you know, uh, moved up to Monaco, Wisconsin, uh, went through high school there. Um, it was a pretty fun time. I was the president of DECA back in high school, which is an association of marketing students. And then uh, graduated, um, was looking for colleges. I was going to a technical college at the time. And a couple friends of mine came down here and uh, went to visit, and honestly, it was the first place I applied to, and uh, never looked back, and uh, went in originally as psychology major. Um, Same I dude. Wanted, I wanted to be in an IO psychologist, which is more on the company side of things. Right. Um, took a couple classes, failed the first class, put a bad taste <laughs> in my mouth, uh, then I went into marketing communications after meeting uh, a professor called Dave Bonco, which we both enjoy oh, having yeah, classes man. with. And uh, yeah, and graduated in 2017, 
with a dual major in marketing communications and communication studies. A little bit redundant, but I enjoyed my time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you mentioned you moved up to Minocqua, Wisconsin, and that, that's a place that you and your family vacationed. Uh, I, I know obviously being your friend, I know that you have a sort of a love-hate relationship with Wisconsin. Uh, and I know a lot of your family still lives down in Illinois. Um, and it's, it's kind of similar to my story, you know, where like my parents moved my sisters and I up to, to Rib Lake, which is sort of in the Minocqua neck of the woods, um, you know, North central Wisconsin, middle of nowhere. Um, Whereas they sort of, yeah, we were uprooted and moved four and a half hours north and um, where everything basically was left behind. And so that part I can relate to. But uh, my question to you is, so moving from Illinois, the Chicago suburbs up to Monaco, Wisconsin, was how was that experience for you? Because obviously being in north central Wisconsin, it's a lot smaller uh, than than the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. So was it sort of a shell shock to you moving up to basically the middle of the woods? It was, um, you know, it, essentially in Illinois, you could go anywhere, do anything. You know, places were basically open almost 24 hours a day versus up north. You know, everything closes by 8 p.m. pretty much. Um, and it was hard. You know, I had... Um, a lot of cool activities, a lot of sports that I was involved with, um, well, adapted sports. And I was into flying and things of that nature back in Illinois and had a lot of friends. And it was just kind of hard, you know, with the transition because I didn't know anyone. So I was kind of the fibber of, uh, you know, <laughs> Minocqua. And, you know, I, I, didn't really start gaining friends until probably sophomore year of high school. I, you know, went to eighth grade and all that stuff up there. And yeah, it was just kind of hard. You know, I remember, you know, everyone would go out during recess in eighth grade and I'd be the nerd in the computer lab, just sitting there because I didn't know anyone. It was just kind of uncomfortable, yeah. you know, and honestly, everyone from up there, it's such a small town that like from, preschool to throughout high school they were together so it's just kind of hard breaking into that click right and yeah <laughs> well because yeah it's it's a lifelong you know click a lifelong bond that that these kids grow up in like the only thing that they know is each other right so having right. somebody come from outside of the pack in this case from a different state obviously you're you're viewed a little bit differently you know and uh and just want to clarify too, Sam City's from Wakanda, Illinois. It's not not the same Wakanda that the Black Panther is from. Okay, um, I, I had the same thoughts as one or two you might have right now. So it's not the same place. Uh, he doesn't know T'Challa um, or or the Black Panther. Um, it's in Illinois. So, and one thing that you mentioned too. So you played sports when you moved up to up to Minocqua. Did you, did you play sports back in Illinois as well? I played sports back in Illinois exclusively. And then um, it was more of adapted sports. You know, I have a spastic cerebral palsy. So, you know, I would play adaptive basketball, you know, I would uh, play adaptive hockey, you know, I would actually go water skiing, 
um, they had a lot of different programs for uh, people with handicaps Mm -hmm. and uh, moving up north you know, there was basically nothing. Uh, right. When we first moved up, they used to have this internet cafe um, where they oh, would man. have, you know, old school video games, you know, and it was basically like a computer night. And that's where I kind of started developing friends, you know, going and doing different things. But it definitely took, you know, a year or two before I broke out of my shell up there. Yeah. And it was cool. Cool to hear though. Even though you started as the fibber, you know, from, from Illinois in now Minocqua, you still, you still grew and you built that, those friendships and relationships. And by the time that you left, you said you were the president of DECA, right? So um, that's something to, to be really proud of. And during your time, when you first started there, did you ever think that you would make as many friends as you ended up making and, or, joining the orgs that you did, especially DECA? No, I was a part of student council too. And, you know, I, I just kind of learned to break out of my show a little bit more and more, you know, and I started hanging out with more people at the lunch table and, you know, making jokes like I do now. And, you know, it just kind of developed a bond, you know, and uh, I didn't think I would be where I was, you know, when I first moved up north. You know, it, it just it had to take its time. And uh, once I got to know everyone and everyone got to know me, it was basically a natural transition. And, you know, being a part of DECA was a big part of my life, you know, going and doing competitions, you know, doing different after school activities, going on trips. That's where I started really bonding with people. Um, and then I became president of DECA my senior year. And uh, that was really nice. And it was really cool to have all the support that I did get. And it's a nice community. You know, it's honestly, since I moved away from Minocqua, I don't really talk to many people from high school, maybe like one or two. But uh, overall, it was a really good experience. Um, And the people, for the most part, were accepting um and it's you know just a nice quiet town there's not a lot in the way of the economy like if i were to try to find a job up there right. it'd be difficult <laughs> especially one that's full time that has insurance and all the adult stuff yep. you know that no one need <laughs> right yes yeah i can i can relate to that too because my hometown will rib lake um which the the biggest town or the bigger town 10 minutes down the road is, is Medford and that's 5,000 people or so, uh, but that's, that's the same thing. It's, I figured like when I, when I moved up there and I mentioned this uh, last week's episode, but um, I was, uh, I was down in Milwaukee and moving up to such a small area like Rib Lake and Medford. At first I was, I was very hesitant you know, to even try to make friends or anything like that, because everything that I knew was back in Milwaukee. And it turns out that I got introduced to so many different experiences. And um, I was given opportunities that I don't think I would have gotten being down in Milwaukee. So you saying you were part of the student council, you ended up becoming the president of DECA at your respective high school. 
Do you think like those kinds of opportunities, I know you said you were in athletics back in Chicago uh, exclusively, but do you think, do you ever think about like, if you wouldn't have moved up to Anakwa, how your life would have shaken out where you would be right now? Like, do you think you were given maybe more opportunities in Manaqua or maybe that you were held back from, from experiencing, um, you know, some more opportunities. I was given more opportunities in Manaqua, I would say to grow, you know, it, I even forget how many people, uh, you know, were in my schools in Wakanda. I'm assuming it was more than double or triple than what, you know, was up North, but you know, I feel like, you know, I had a lot of opportunities and I made a lot of good connections up north. I would say it's probably better than it would have been back in the Chicago area, just because you're nothing but a number, you know, down there. Right. Um, you know, it, even though it was a suburb of Chicago, it was still, you know, big in that regard. Um, but, I, you know, it's hard to say looking back. There's so many different ways life could have gone, but, uh, you know, it's just a lot easier to just go with the flow, I guess, right. <laughs> Make the best out of whatever situation. But, uh, yeah, I would say Manaqua gave me a lot more opportunity, gave me a lot more connections. Um, you know, if I didn't meet the people that, you know, went to school here in River Falls, I would have never thought, you know, Hey, I'm going to go to river falls, Wisconsin to get a degree, you know? <laughs> right. Because from, well, from Monaco, I think you said it's about a three, three and a half hour drive West. Yeah. It's teetering on four. Yeah. Um, it's so, all the way by the UP, almost 45 minutes from the border. So, yeah. So it, it's interesting to, to think about stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you mentioned too before that you are, so you have spastic cerebral palsy. For for those who don't know what that is, Sam, would you be willing to to give a breakdown sort of of what that is? And, and is that something that's genetic or how does no, that begin? It's essentially any brain trauma that happens. So mine in particular, my lung collapsed when I was a baby. And uh, therefore, I had lack of oxygen to the brain, causing brain damage. Uh, essentially, what it is, um, anytime I try to relax, my muscles tighten. So the damaged, damage of my brain caused me to adapt and uh, essentially uh, reduce spasticity. So anytime I try to relax, my muscles tighten. And it's just, it doesn't affect me too much. You know, I, I used to walk, you know, without crutches or anything when I was younger. And then later on in life, you know, I had a couple issues. Um, usually, you know, when you're growing up and going through growth spurts, you know, that's when the cerebral palsy affected me the most. So I've had torn tendons. Um, it broke apart my knees, my hips. So I've had to have a lot of surgeries when I was younger, but now since I'm not going through growth spurts or anything like that, um, it's okay. You learn to deal with it and you learn to adapt to a lot of things. Like I'm, you know, it's, I walk with crutches now. I use a wheelchair inside the household when I don't have my braces on and things of that nature. 
Right. Luckily, it doesn't affect me cognitively um, that I'm fortunate with and I can drive and do everything that I want to do. You know, it just takes me a little bit longer. Right. So so if cerebral palsy, is that something that progresses as you get older or is it something that pretty much it's onset when you're at a younger age most of the time, right? Yeah. So it affects mostly it affected me when I was younger. Uh, now it doesn't affect me that much, but when I get older, it'll be interesting to see how it affects me, you know, as I get a little bit more weaker and things start to break down. Right. When you, when you stop being able to bench 400 pounds and, and squat, you know, almost a thousand. So, uh, yeah, no, oh, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, so that's something that you usually get when you're younger, it, it progresses for a certain amount of time, but then it sort of plateaus, but the, is there much research into how it affects you as you get older, or is it still in the early stages of understanding? It's still in the early stages of understanding. Uh, there's newer companies out, um, that are researching, uh, brain injuries and things of that nature, just like Neuralink by Elon Musk, you know, they're doing a lot of research for people with disabilities to try to find kind of a cure or an adaption to help people live a normal life. Right. So there's not a whole lot of research into cerebral palsy, um, you know, because it varies from severe to very minor. Um, I had a, a colleague of mine back in college we had a communications class together and he walked and, you know, everything just fine. And he's like, oh, yeah, I have cerebral palsy. And I'm like, well, wait, you have cerebral palsy? I can hardly tell. So there's different variants. You know, there's people with severe cerebral palsy that can't speak, that can't do things on their own uh, to me where I can do everything on my own. But I you know, it still takes me a little bit longer to a, a person that you can hardly tell that they're disabled. Right. Okay. And so from what it sounds like, like you said, you, you knew somebody in college who had cerebral palsy, but you couldn't, if you wouldn't have said that, you would have known that he had it, right? So it sounds like it does differ in uh, severity depending on each individual case. And it does. And it's in the inf yeah infancy of, of research. And so you're sort of, you're in the generation and time period now where you're, you're seeing all this happen, all this research, all of these different facts that are coming out about it. You're sort of, you're in the passenger seat as somebody who has cerebral palsy and you're, you're along for the ride, so to speak. Right, because there's not a whole lot of information about it, nor is there a lot of support. Um, but now it seems like things are growing in a positive direction with people with disabilities. I mean, even uh, people with uh, spina bifida and things of that, uh, they're starting to realize that they can make devices to help them even walk. Um, it was kind of cool. I saw a video the other day and it was basically like robotic legs uh braces that attached and uh they're able to walk and i found that fascinating oh, wow. that's sick yeah it was a um bride that wanted to walk down the aisle with her dad mm -hmm. and uh 
they found these pair of like robotic legs that needed to learn like um, their brain waves and they're able to control the robotic legs with their mind. Uh, granted, you know, that she was still unsteady, but she was able to walk down the aisle at her wedding. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. So it's fascinating yeah. to see all this stuff come out. You know, we, we're on the precipice of, you know, curing uh, disabilities or at least having adaptions for them. Oh, hell yeah, dude. And, and I, I'm a big fan of, of Elon Musk in general, like Tesla and SpaceX. But you said Neuralink is, is another one of his companies. I know he has another one called The Boring Company, I think. But so, so what's Neuralink and what, what does it do? And what are like the possibilities that they're saying that could have a prof- profound effect just on people in general with different disabilities? But, you know, what, what could it, how could it help you specifically with cerebral palsy? Sure. So Neuralink is an implant that goes into the brain and uh, they put electrodes in different parts of the brains that are affected by the disability and essentially they are correcting the neurons and how they fire uh, to make corrections for that. So they currently have it in pigs right now and they're able to adjust the pig's gait. They're able to monitor the brain activity and uh, they have FDA approval this year. Um, For me, um, they're saying that it could cure cerebral palsy so essentially it would get rid of my disability um the different implants that they have originally it looked like a hearing aid and you could tell that there's wires coming out of your brain (laughs) you know what it was kind of clunky looking (laughs) yeah now they have it to where it's just flush with your skull and you can't even tell and it's basically merging your body with ai Regardless of disabilities, Neuralink is focusing on that part first, but overall, uh, Elon Musk claims it's to uh, basically give humans the advantage towards AI. So he's always afraid that AI will kind of like take over everything, and this is to kind of prevent that. So it's kind of an odd thing, and it's kind of an odd time. But I think it's something that needs to be studied. I don't want to put all my eggs into one basket, but this is revolutionary to say the least. Well, yeah. And like you mentioned, it's so it sits flush in your so they so they cut out like a, a small square or the exact size of a hole that they would need to put that implant in. It sits flush with your skull. And then from what I understand, they put, so essentially the part that interacts with your brain are a series of different electrodes. And when you have a disability or or if there's anything wrong, it usually stems from a part of your brain that is either misfiring or is just dormant, right? So from what I understand, this implant and what Neuralink would do is interact with those misfiring or dormant parts of the brain to stimulate them to try and correct either their misfire or to get them working again. Is that, is that right? That's 100% accurate. And it's even cool, regardless of a physical disability, they claim that they can cure um, mental disabilities as well. So depression, 
Holy um, shit. Yeah. Anything like that, they're claiming they can cure autism. Um, so they're claiming later on that uh, this will be an all cure type of thing, but you got to be cautious when you talk about that because, you know, the, just the research alone is in the beginning stages. Um, but, you know, I'm really hoping within the next, you know, five years, you know, that this will be something that will be beneficial for the disabled community. Yeah. And, you know, kudos to you because you're, you're one of those guys who, is very on the forefront of like, you're a techie, you know, I'm a techie as well, but you are, you're more into like AI and stuff like that. Like not as afraid of it as I am. Uh, Cause obviously I can see all the benefits and already having FDA approval and, and having these uh, different trials going on in pigs and seeing positive results as of right now. Uh, obviously it's a good sign, right? That's a good sign for what Neuralink represents and what they want to do. But for me personally, when I think about that, it scares the shit out of me because, I mean, even putting implants, you know, companies now, because they have like ID badges for like magnetic strips or, um, you know, instead of using a physical key now, different ways to, uh, to let you in buildings and so on and so forth. And even just putting a microchip just right under your skin freaks me out. Like, because I feel like I'm going to be tracked at, all, at every point of the day and you know who knows what other capabilities that would have so just thinking of Neuralink, yes there are tons of upsides right and that's the things that we should be focused on but it's still kind of still kind of scary i have you like does that stuff scare you at all or are you just like pedal to the metal let's do this shit i'm kind of pedal pedal to the metal essentially because if you think about it, we're already being tracked and traced with our cell phones. You know, essentially, this is the way technology is going, sadly, to where, yes, all of our whereabouts and whatever aren't private. I mean, you look at, um, we were even talking about Snapchat the other day and about how, you know, that tracks where you are. And, you know, you can see where all your friends are if you haven't enabled. And see, I'm kind of newer with Snapchat. I'm kind of a grandpa with that. So (laughs) I didn't even know I had that enabled. And I was looking at it last night after we talked after lunch. And uh, I was like, oh, I have that enabled. People can see where I am. And I was like, wow, I can see where all my friends are, too. That's kind of creepy. You know, and that's live. Yeah, and that and that came up because you had mentioned that another one of our friends had mentioned that, oh Sam, you were in Prescott yesterday, and you were like, what the hell? How did you know that? And yeah, like, and he he mentioned Snapchat, but yeah, then I I let you know that Snap Maps it's what it's called, and yeah, it's if if you let them uh, target your location and know where you are at all times, yeah, you can see where all of your Snapchat friends are. At all times, essentially. And the same thing with you. They can see. Yeah, that's crazy. Because, you know, I I haven't talked to one of my friends in a while. And he's a friend with me on Snap. And I'm like, oh, he's in lacrosse. I'm like, okay. All right. Now I know where he lives. (laughs) But that's just kind of creepy to me. You know, and I didn't even know I had it enabled. Right. And that's, and that's, you know, you didn't know that. You wouldn't have known that. 
because you haven't talked to him in a while, right? But you noticed because of Snap Maps gave you his pretty much exact location. So it's stuff like that that scares me. And um, yeah, yeah, you make it, it, it makes sense. For myself, I try to make sure that all my location settings are are set to to where I want them, I guess, a more conservative way, you know, because trying to control what I can when it comes to my location and, and stuff and what apps are able to see where I am or what I'm browsing on the web. Um, but it's yeah, more secure with that. I have my Facebook on lockdown when it comes to my privacy and my posts, but I guess my location with Snapchat, it, I have to figure that out still, but yes, uh, <laughs> it's kind of creepy because everyone can stalk each other. And to be honest with all the newer generations, you know, there's no privacy anymore. Like, you know, when I was younger and when I was able, you know, my parents were like, Oh, you know, go out and play out in the yard, Mm -hmm. you know, go do stuff. And, you know, you would come back in after a couple hours, you didn't have a cell phone, you know, and I even remembered when I was younger, you know, when my parents did have cell phones, they were, you know, five inches thick, weighed about a pound, (laughs) Yep. you know, and we didn't get service hardly anywhere. And to see the evolution of just the smartphone in general, I mean, I got one of the first iPhones, I think it was like the second gen or something back in 2010. And, you know, that was super cool and super futuristic. And now you look at it, you know, that was just 10 years ago. That wasn't so long ago. Yeah, the the crazy amount of progress that technology is making, it seems like every single day something new is coming out. And it, it, it is scary for me just because I guess with tech and all that kind of stuff and AI, I'm more of on the, on the conservative side, like I'm more hesitant to, to buy into that kind of stuff because I want to have... I want to have a full view of, okay, like I can see you're, you're telling me the positives of this new system or, or AI or so on and so forth. But what, what's the all encompassing um, abilities of this thing? Like, I want to get the full picture before I buy into anything or, you know, say, Hey, yes. Okay. You can use my location for this, this, and that. Um, because that's as you you found out specifically with Snapchat, like it's not necessarily something that you know knowingly bought into. It was just you found out, and you've had Snapchat for how long now? You just found out the other day that yeah, it's it's tracking your precise location. Every one of your Snapchat friends can know where you are at all times. Um, you know, it, it to think especially with. With your track record with crazy women, I mean, you can see where that would be a problem. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I didn't even realize, you know, I was being tracked. And, you know, that's the part with Neuralink, too. You know, when that comes out just to the general public, you know, apparently it's like your smartphone and your brain. So who knows what's being released there. Uh, but yes, uh, hopefully I can figure that out. So crazy chicks can't stalk me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and just so everyone knows at home who's listening, Sam, Sam is a, uh, he's a romantic, but the thing is he attracts 
the kind of women who uh, who would stalk him, let's just say. Uh, if, if, if Sam was to say something wrong or, you know, try to be like, hey, you know, I can't go on a date tonight. I, you know, I'm doing something else. Those women would track him actively. So um, with, with technology like that, it's, it's very, it's, it's scary like that. Like, because with all the positive things that we're told, like I mentioned, there's always this fine print that has all these capabilities and things that this app or service does without us knowing about it. And they try to sneak it by us to, to help their own agenda. Right. And it's not, and and the thing that, that really irritates me about a lot of this technology is it's, it's positioned to us, like something that'll make our lives vastly better, something for us. Right. But it turns out that's almost never the case. It's always, they put on these features that, okay, we might be into, but then they'll be doing all this stuff in the background that turns out to be really bad uh, for privacy, security, for uh, just for peace of mind in general. So uh, I, again, kudos to you for being pedal to the metal with this tech dude, because I, I, I'm too cautious when it comes to this shit. It's definitely give and take. And I'm, I'm usually the guy like, you know, I've gone skydiving. So I take a lot of risks in my little life just because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But, you know, even on a side note, you know, I, I'm like, you know, I'm tired of Google Chrome. You know, even I, I mentioned something about purchasing, I don't know what it was, a laptop, whatever. And then all of a sudden on Amazon, I get an ad for it. You know, and I, I found out that uh, Google Chrome can use your microphone settings, can use all of your history and, you know, everything else. So I decided to download uh, Firefox, you know, because they're more of a private nature. They don't sell your information, mm-hmm. you know, so I switched to that. But the weird part was, is I had to constantly say that I wasn't a bot and do those verification things, even when I was just googling something you know so it was just that opened my eyes as to how much data is being released and uh you know i i even have a vpn you know on my devices but Mm -hmm. i have to disable that sometimes because they won't let you through uh just because they want to know who you are wow yeah, I, I noticed the same thing with Chrome, too, because when I first started using smartphones up until, honestly, up until fairly recently, I'd say a year or so ago, I, I would use Google Chrome on my phones and all my personal devices. But then I figured out and was awakened to the fact of, of what you just said, like all the tracking, they can have access to your camera, your microphone, all of your previous search data, and they can, they sell it, right? And that's where those that's where those personal ads come in where like you could look at a website at a product five minutes later, you're scrolling on Facebook or whatever, and you see that product and you may have never looked it up on Facebook or whatever, but that data travels that fast. Oh yeah. And from your phone to whatever the, the highest bidders. Right. So I used, I used a, a browser DuckDuckGo which is, which is really into privacy. Uh, I've been using Safari cause I'm a, I'm an Apple guy 
And one thing I have to do give Apple is that they are taking active steps towards uh, siding with, with the privacy of its customers, right? It's in a battle right now with Google just about that fact, Google and Facebook, uh, and they call them out for their lack of privacy uh, in, in selling because data. They are as a marketing company. You yeah. know, if you think about it, they're positioning themselves to, you know, have Google ads to be marketable to other companies and be an asset to other companies. They're just taking all of our information. They don't care. And who reads, you know, I don't know if anyone likes South Park, but they had the uh, human sentai pad, you know, and that was an episode <laughs> where Kyle didn't read all the way through the agreement and he agreed to be a part of the human sentai pad, which I won't go into details because it's pretty graphic, but it's an interesting episode and relates to this for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I do remember that episode, actually. Um, and yes, it is. It is directly related to the movie Human Centipede, if you've ever seen it. So if you can imagine the human centipede, but with technology, you're 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 right on the same page. So but what I was saying you know, about Apple and their privacy is that there, there's getting all these lawsuits between Google and Facebook and Apple because Apple's not allowing them to give them these free avenues for accessing our data. And Apple's actually right now in the process of making their own browser. So like making a, because Safari, yes, that's an Apple product, but it still uses Google as the search engine. Whereas Apple is now making their own search engine. So it would be completely Apple. They would have 100% say over what data is released and what is not which I'm not sure if you saw with any recent updates, they're, they're giving us more power and insight into what, what our data is, is being stored at and who has access to that data. So um, that's, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I forgot if you have Netflix now or not, but there's a, there's a documentary that just came out. It's called the social dilemma. Have you heard of that? I've heard of it, but I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, so that's if you want to be scared and not watch a horror movie, uh, you can just watch The Social Dilemma. And what that is all about is it it illuminates our perspective of social media, you know, on our mobile devices and everything, and, and how how our data is being used and handled. And just to paint a an example here, like so, say you and I. We both have Facebook, right? We both have the same phone. Every every situation is the exact same. We have the same friends, same likes, all that kind of stuff. But if we were to put our phones side by side and we would start scrolling down our our page or our timeline, they would be different. Because because the phones and you know Facebook and Google and whatever site that you're on is trying to make accurate predictions to how to keep you on that phone for longer. And what this, what this documentary goes into and what it shows is that um, it's like with every interaction that you do with your phone on these social media platforms, they're getting a more and more detailed voodoo doll of you. You know what a voodoo doll is? Yeah. Yeah. So with every interaction that you do it, that voodoo doll gets more and more accurate 
like in terms of what you look like, what your interests are, you know, what kind of clothing you like to wear, everything about you becomes more and more detailed so that they can, they can find new ways to, to keep your eyes glued to the phone or device or whatever you're on. And I got to tell you, dude, you need to watch it because that's really going to open your eyes because with what we do on a daily basis, we're, we're not really actively thinking about that. All we really care about is if you make a post, how many likes is it going to get? How many comments, how many people are going to, you know, interact with it in general, but there's so much going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. That's scary. That and is I so would, scary. You don't know how they're using that information. And with AI, it's basically showing us what we want to see. And, uh, you know, as you were stating, and I've heard like that notification bell on Facebook, that's like um, taking a hit of drugs, you know, because it affects the same part of your brain that it does for excitement and things of that nature. And it's definitely scary to, you know, have a piece of technology uh, mimic that. And uh, especially with Facebook and everything going on, I, I keep telling myself, oh, I'm going to delete Facebook. And I never do because I have all my friends on there. And I, you know, and it's the same, like now I'm addicted with TikTok. And, you know, I think I watch that more than I do TV now. And, uh, you know, it, it's so weird how it adapts to the things that you like. And that is scary. I'll admit to that. Um, but just the evolution of technology for me and how it's going to positively uh, impact people's futures is what I'm looking towards. But it's a double-edged sword mm -hmm. because each time you sign up for something, whether it's a social media platform, new device, uh, anything like that, you're taking away a part of your privacy. And yeah. it's going to become apparent to where we're not going to have any secrets anymore. Everything about us is just going to be public. And uh, that is definitely something that I don't want to look forward to, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. It is a double-edged sword. And it, like I mentioned before, it's, so we're being fed with all these new technologies, all these new apps, services, so on and so forth. We're being told the good things. We're being told, this is how it's going to benefit us. And basically we're expected to drink the Kool-Aid on it. So, uh, but on that other side of that sword, there's all these things. And arguably a lot of the times, a lot of the negative things are, are vastly more uh, apparent and, uh, and are more existent than any positives that it might bring. So, so yes, I'm excited too, to see what, the technology brings that could benefit us. But at the same time, I know that there's going to be at, at the very least an equal amount of negative things that will come from those very same systems. So that part, I'm not looking forward to either, but I guess we have really, you and I, we have no control over how that's going to happen. Right. No. I mean, for regardless of what we have, we're always going to be spied on and it's just something new in our lives, especially given that we've, you know, became addicted to a lot of these new technologies. It's hard to pull back, you know, back, 
you know, when my parents were young, how did you communicate with people? You actually went out and interacted with them. You know, now it's more of doing everything online. And it's just amazing to me with these newer generations, how quickly they get technology. Um, as we we're talking about before, I have a hard enough time with Snapchat. And here is like a, you know, 10 year old person. They can just, you know, go on your phone and be like, oh, but done. Got it all set for you. You know? <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, with these systems, it's, yeah, you mentioned when, when our parents were younger, you had to go out, interact with your friends and family or whoever you wanted to interact with, or you actually pick up and make a phone call. But that was usually more so to like set up a get together, right? Uh, yeah. An in-person event. Whereas, yeah, these systems and these apps and these platforms, they're substituting our our primal you know, need for, for social interaction and we're social animals. Like we need, we need, we thrive on, on social interaction. So they're, they're hijacking that part of our brain. Like you mentioned, when, uh, if you get a notification from Facebook, you hear that notification sound, you automatically get a feeling, you know, of like happiness or excitement. Um, and it, when in reality that, you know, you should get that realistically in person, like earning that feeling, right? Like maybe if you're into sports and you're doing a sporting event and you win, you've earned that feeling. Where now all we have to do is just type a couple words in with our thumbs, press a button, hit send, and basically just wait. And we don't have to do anything. And one, one of the thing that irks me about social media is the fact that we are becoming less and less of ourselves. It seems like honestly, um, because I can't tell you how many times I've been talking with people on, on the phone, either text messaging or on Facebook messenger or whatever messenger it is. And I meet them in public or maybe it's somebody I haven't seen for a very long time. And I'm talking to them on Facebook messenger. And then we meet up for the first time in a while like I can feel there's, it's weird. Like they, they feel like it, it's not the same cohesion that we had earlier in the day, you know, bullshitting about something. But if for some reason, when we're in person, it totally changes the game. Like it's, it's almost like we haven't been talking at all, you know, it, which is weird to me. Like, I, I, have you experienced anything like that? Yes. And I think uh, in-person interaction is slowly becoming a lost art form uh, to where people don't know how to react when they're in front of other people. Just because uh, social media and messengers and even texting creates a safe space to where, you know, you don't have to, there's not really a repercussion to really what you say or how you behave. Um, people on social media also tailor their profiles to how they want to look, not how yep. they really are, you know? And that's scary too, because we can all create a perfect persona, but that's not a real true reflection of who we are and what we believe and things of that nature. Yeah, on social media, we're trying to we're trying to make people think we have the perfect life, 
So we take pictures if we're doing something cool, like, well, even, even in the Midwest, a big thing around here at least is when you go to like caribou coffee or Starbucks, you know, you got to take a picture of the latte or frappe that you get, you know, make some seemingly witty comment that really is not witty at all. Um, and you know, it, it, you're trying to be like, Hey, like I'm cool. Cause I just got a cup of coffee. Like you should want to be a part of my life, but right. Like I just spent $10 on coffee. How are you? <laughs> right. <laughs> Whereas and you're trying to, yeah, you post pictures that you feel good about, right. I'm not saying that's bad, but if you want people to really get to know you, you're not going to be in that overly positive situation all the time. Like you're not going to be feeling good about yourself all the time. We're human beings, man. Like we, we experience up and downs and ups and downs and, and we go through, we go through shit. Right. You know, everyone has different things that they go through, but the fact that we're trying to portray a completely positive life is not realistic. And then when we meet up with people, if we ever do, and granted, yes, I know we're doing this over, over a zoom call and this is podcast is done over a zoom call, but first of all, COVID's going on. And second, yes, it's convenient, but we're still having real conversations. All right, people. So get yeah. with the program for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, but like I was saying, like people are portraying these overly positive lives that aren't real. Like maybe the, the highs and the positives that they have are real, but they're trying to make it seem like that's all the experience. Like they're trying to make people jealous is what I'm trying to say. Like people are trying to make people jealous of their lives so that people would hype them up, so to speak. Like, Oh, that's a really, that's a really gorgeous dress or, Oh man, like that's, that's a beautiful buck that you just shot. You know, like, how'd you do that? Like so on and so forth, stuff like that. Whereas people have times of doubt people have, like, I can't tell you how many times I'm, I'm just an overly analytical guy in the first place, but uh, you know, where I'm feeling down or, you know, I'm feeling like maybe I'm not good enough or like, what the hell am I doing with my life? But I'm not, I'm not actively trying to post about that. Right. Unless, unless I was trying to get attention and then I would probably, um, you know, I'd feel bad because I felt like I was trying to get attention by, you know, maybe posting a sad song lyric or something like that. Um, but it's like, I think when we see all this positivity over and over and over again, we're not given the full picture of who we actually are as people. And, and I think that plays a part in when we actually do meet up with people and see them in real life. Since we've only seen the positives, when we do see the negatives, we're like, well, what the hell is this? Right. Like, who the hell are you? It, I, th I think it's a new form of social bullying, so to speak, cyberbullying. It's just because, you know, when you try to portray yourself as having a perfect life, you're trying to show to others, like, oh, you're beneath me, you know, that sort of thing, too, mm -hmm. where it's, you know, I'm at a loss. There's a specific word for it, but I'm at a loss. 
Um, but yes, it's just kind of a odd time to live in because not only, you know, with COVID, is it hard to interact with people, but it's hard to interact with people online, you know, because it's, it's two different languages, you know, because online you can be whoever you want to be, pump up yourself and then go on a date and then it'll be completely different. And you see people on their phones constantly, even though they're like right across from one another. So it's just, it's difficult all the way around. And people always want to look and feel better about themselves. And sometimes that means to put someone else down, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's frustrating because everything is so new. We're not used to it as a society you know, especially the older generations, but, you know, I don't know if there's no answers to this, unfortunately. Yeah. We're, when we, when we make those posts in some way, we're trying to be like, Hey, like, look at me, like you're bragging about something and you're trying to get people to, to hype you up and be like, Hey, yeah, this is awesome. Like, you're great. Like, try to get those followers, try to get those likes and comments and shares. And whereas, you know, that's just not the case. And you mentioned too, um, you know, when you are out maybe at, at at a dinner or at an event, people are are still on their phones, you know, scrolling through different social medias. I've been guilty of this. I'm not, I'm not being hypocritical here, uh, but I'm saying I do recognize that that's an issue, especially because I know how important it is for us to be able to connect on a personal level that isn't, you know, mediated by a digital device. Right. right. And even this was a couple of years ago, but uh, I went to an Outback Steakhouse and I watched a family. It was like a, you know, mom, dad, and, you know, three or four kids. All the kids are on iPads watching whatever and i'm like man that's not family time like put that stuff away yeah in that situation it sounds like it was pretty obviously like okay they're in a public place the parents are trying to distract the kids right so they don't make a scene but it's like if that you're conditioning those kids so that every time they all they have to do is start being naughty in some sort of way. And they're going to get that iPad. They're going to be able to spend yeah. more time on that, on that electronic device. So you're conditioning those kids to that. Basically any time that they, they react in, in a negative way, they're going to get rewarded for it in a, in a, in a weird way. Does that make sense? Right. And it differs from like, our parents because if we were like running around the restaurant they'd be like sit down and shut up you know yeah yeah i would get the look yeah yeah and my my dad had uh (laughs) my dad had this look and uh, you know if you saw it you would know and by you laughing at that i know that your one or both of your parents had a look as well where you knew that you really shit the bed Oh yeah. Like you knew that if you didn't correct right then and there, what you were doing, that there was going to be hell to pay. You were in such deep shit. So (laughs) whereas, you know, maybe today I'm not a parent. I can't really say this from personal experience, but you know, maybe today 
parents bring their kids out to Texas Roadhouse or Outback or wherever, whatever restaurant or event, and the kids start acting up and they just throw an iPad in front of their face. Like, I think that that's setting them up for failure in the long run because it's, it's setting them up, up with unrealistic expectations and they're not going to be easy people to deal with when they do have to deal with people in real life, not on a phone. So, uh, Right, and that's conditioning them as well. Hey, I don't want to go to my parents. I'm just going to go to my iPad for advice. You know, yes. you're not building that foundation to have trust within a family when you're just diverting their attention to an iPad, you know, instead of being like, you know, you can trust me as a kid, I'll support you and I'll give you advice along the way. You know, now it's just like, sit down, watch this iPad, leave me alone. Bye. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sit down, do this so I can do, so I can play video games or I can, you know, do this or that instead of, you having some some quality one on one time with with you, my my daughter or son, or you know whatever the situation may be. But it's it's that's on the other end of that sword that you mentioned earlier, because there's definitely positives with technology in the way that it's going, but that's a huge downside to this technology as well. Is that we're losing more and more touch with reality, not only as our expectations of ourselves and family members, but our expectations of the world around us, because we don't see what, and just with the media in general too. I mean, if, if we were to, um, you know, like you said, the kid will start asking Google questions instead of their parents possibly. Well, depending on what like news site or media site, they get that answer from, it could be totally biased and push them into one direction instead of being an objective piece of information. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, especially now, given, you know, what's happened with the media, it's like, you don't know where to get your sources from, you know, and it's just so, I want to say diluted. The truth is diluted by everything else that's flooding into it. You know, fake news and you know, fake reports and fake posts and also censorship. You know, we're so, we're in deep with a PC culture that does not respect freedom of speech, you know, and it's, it's kind of scary, you know, because sometimes you can't even have an opinion depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. It's well, on Twitter. I don't know if you're familiar with, the cancel culture or what canceling is now is that yeah if people share a specific opinion about a topic that a majority of people don't agree with they'll get canceled so basically they're they'll get written written off as um you know people that that shouldn't be taken seriously at all which is fucked up because the whole idea of a free speech is is being able to voice your opinion and that's a key opinion um because each one of us has a specific opinion about every single topic you know we we have our own thoughts and we should be able to let those thoughts flow and i'm not saying we should you know let them flow in a way that is offensive to people because like if you differ in a certain area than i do when it comes to opinions i'm not going to actively seek out to be an asshole 
to try to make you feel like shit for your opinion. My goal is, and how it should be, I think, is to foster like talks and communication, like try and understand where each other are coming from. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to change my mind. I'm going to change yours, but like voice your opinion, understand where the other person's coming from, shake hands and have a good rest of your day. Like it, it shouldn't be this, this, you know, like my opinion is different, different than yours. So I can't, I can't, I can't deal with you anymore. Like you can't be my friend, which is where it's at now. And it's scary as fuck. And it's super scary. And, you know, it's just crazy because, you know, like you said, if we differ on opinion, we'd be like, okay, we can't change each other, but let's shake hands and move on. You just have to be like a duck. Let it roll off your back and, you know, just don't let it affect you. And I think, you know, people are so sensitive now to where, you know, I I say one little thing and someone's going to freak out, like to cope with you know, everything that I'm going through, I make fun of myself. You know, if I'm having a bad day, I make fun of myself. You know, I make a lot of my friends laugh. We're sitting there giving, giving each other shit, you know, and jokes and whatever. And you get one Karen that always gets angry and <laughs> blows up, you know, it's just kind of crazy. Even um, the other day, one of my friends was, you know, just joking with me. He was kidding with me. I forgot what he said, but someone came up to him and said, why did you say that to him? It was like a disabled joke or something. And got all offended. And like literally I had to step in and be like, this is my friend. This is what we do. You know, it's just kind of crazy. Well, yeah, especially, and it's interesting because a lot of those times, like those kinds of situations happen with people who are not involved in the situation at all. Like you said, you were having a talk and joking around with your friend who obviously knows that, you know, you've tell you, one cool thing about you too is, is like, you'll tell people like, it's okay. You, can, you know, I'll give you shit. You give me shit. Like we know it's, it's all in good fun, but like people who don't know you don't know your friends don't know the situation. They'll overhear that at a dinner they might be having with their friends or family and they'll feel the need to, to butt in and be like, well, you can't say this. Like, even though you're the one who's disabled, you can't be saying this shit, which blows my mind. Yeah. Yep. And I had, they're like, oh, don't talk to your, don't talk about yourself that way. And I'm like, listen, I, I have to go through whatever. You have to have humor in life. Yeah. You know, when I get spastic, I'm like, derpader, you know, something like that. <laughs> right. And, you know, just the shock on people's face, you know, it's, it's just amazing to me how sensitive people have become. And that's coming right, right from the handicapped's mouth, you know, like, you know, I'm just making fun of myself, making fun of a bad situation here. Like, you know, just let it happen, people. (laughs) Yeah. And you mentioned too, about like the having having these talks of, of differing opinions if it you know doesn't work out whatever at least we understand where each other stand on these subjects we shake hands and we move on with life but to, to go back to social media and everything uh, how it's driving us more apart in that way is that you know I, I told you like if you and I were to have our cell phones right next to each other and you know we have the same friends everything is the same 
but we scroll through our timeline, they would be vastly different. And the thing about AI and how these social media platforms are figuring us out, so to speak, they're basically creating perfect models of us um, to, to keep our attention is they push us to different sides of the fence on, on all of these subjects, right? So, so the, the suggested friends that you might have might be, Facebook is suggesting that you become friends with them because you might have similar views, which keeps you further in that, in that uh, mindset, right? Which causes further together, essentially. Yes. So you guys can talk about how you agree on this opinion, but when you hear something outside of that opinion, you blow up and this, this big argument happens. And then, you know, it's the shit hits the fan, so to speak. And it causes more and more division in, in every aspect. And that's, that's, that's so fucked up, man. It is. It is. And people get offended that you believe in something else. You know, I don't even care if you believe in a flying spaghetti monster, you know, whatever, <laughs> right. you know, just don't try to preach it on me or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that, you know, like you were saying before, you know, social media, technology is grouping us with like minds and it's hard to break from that you know it's just kind of like you're in your own little clique in high school you know it's just hard to break your mindset of what's going on at that time with everything going on you know it's and it's hard for people to accept other people's opinions just because passionate we're crazy, you know, it seems like people are getting really crazy on whatever subject right now. And no matter what you say, even though it might make sense, or, you know, you're not trying to convert someone into thinking just like you, but it's just a difference of opinion. You know, it's just hard to break through that shell um, that they build around themselves. Yeah. And in, when you have these different opinions and you have these, if you're able to have civilized talks about these different areas, whatever it may be, your goal should not be to try to convince them to come to your side. Your goal should be to try to help them understand where you're coming from so that there is that middle ground, right? Because we could have different opinions, but we could be coming from the same place. You know, like, for example, like if we, if we want a better life, like that's, that's the baseline fact that we both want, right? That's the common ground, but how we get a better life may differ in terms of execution and how to get that life. Right. But we understand that it's all for the same thing, all, all for betterment of, of our lives. Um, and, and that should be, uh, it, again, in my opinion, I think that should be something that, that people understand, but I, I can't tell you how many times, I'm looking at Facebook and I I see some posts where people go out on a limb and they share their opinions about different things, which is awesome. I think you should, I think we should um, relay our opinions more often because that's what, that's a part of what makes us us. Right. Right. That that helps us break this, this cycle of, well, Hey, I just bought a, just bought a venti Starbucks coffee. Like you should like it. You know, instead of, you know, if we voice our opinions about things, we can, we can have conversations, but 
more and more that I'm seeing of these opinions, the, in the comments, it's just brutal. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like people resort to, if they don't have, if they, if they aren't able to, to have a conversation about it in a civilized manner, it very quickly turns into name calling. Right. Or people, even that's, you know, yeah. People, you, people try to insult you because so, yeah. you don't have the same views. Right. And you can't find common ground with people like that because, you know, they're just going to bully, bully their way into thinking they're going to convert you. Mm-hmm. And that's not what needs to happen. You know, no. find common ground, understand each other. And it's just like the old saying, everyone has an asshole, you know, it's just like yep. everyone has an opinion, yep. you know, you just got to deal with it, you know? Yeah. And it's it, a lot of these people who are insulting people and calling names and can't have civilized conversations about opinions are the same ones who, uh, you know, I guarantee you, I, they're scrolling through Facebook and they all, the, the only information that they see or 99% of it is information and stories geared towards their biases that push right. them farther into thinking that their, their truth is the only truth. And then when they see that, that off post of one of their friends saying something that that's the opposite of what they believe, they just go off, they go off like a cannon. And a lot of the times it's not even like conversation. Like they just start calling names and try to insult people and make them feel less than human because they don't fall in line with that, with that mentality, which is, which is scary. Like it just, honestly, these social media platforms we're told are meant to bring us together, but so they do that in a way, but at the same time, they're, they're pushing us farther apart. They're creating divides for us to fight about. You know, and that's the thing, you know, especially with grouping us with like people, number one, number two, it creates kind of like a, an atmosphere to where they're not going to get any repercussions for what they're going to say. So they're just going to bully their ways through, you know, and, and say awful things and, you know, just calling people names and that's not right. That's taking humanity out of the picture that's just being brutal just for the sake of being brutal and to make yourself feel better it's like being a troll you know yeah and that's what everyone is turning into unfortunately yeah we're becoming more and more opinionated but we never say our opinions and we never give valid reasons for our opinions to try to help other people understand if you fall on the other side of the fence, I just attack you because you think differently than I do. And right. you, you know, the, the one of the biggest things that's fucked up about this situation is that it, it makes sense when you think about it objectively, why these social media platforms are doing this because with all this arguing and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's keeping us on the platform longer. Yeah. You know what I mean? More- exposure to the platform yes and more addicted you're gonna get because you know you're gonna come up with something witty to put in the comments and you're gonna sit there and wait 
for someone to reply or like it or battle you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just becomes an addiction at that point because you're just wanting to poke and prod just for that person to come back and start an argument or have other people support you. You know, it's, it's just become that, you know, it's just some sort of weird warfare. Yeah. And it's funny you say warfare because it, it, it is seeming like that, just that, like, and, you know, I, I don't want to get into like politics too much, but that's, you know, religion and politics seem to be two of the most polarizing things in the world when, you know, theoretically, both of those things are meant to bring people together, right? And, and create yeah. a, an idea of community and togetherness when, yeah, it's it's that opinionated thing where if, if you're on the wrong side of the fence, from my opinion, like... <laughs> You better get ready because I'm going to call you every name under the sun. I'm going to make you feel like shit. And I'm going to laugh my way all the way home because I feel like I took a good enough dig at you for not feeling the same way I do. So, exactly. And, you know, politics and religion is I am I have my own beliefs, but I'm not going to besmirge you for having something completely different and nor do I feel like picking a fight. And especially when it comes to religion, you look at that, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, well, more thousands, you know, it wars have been fought over religion and Mm -hmm. quite frankly, some of it's pointless in my opinion, you know, and you look at politics too, it's just like, you know, who cares who you like, you know, as long as you're a decent person, you're a decent person. That's it. You know, doesn't really matter what religion you come from, as long as you're nice. It doesn't matter what politics you believe in, as long as you're a decent person. And we can find middle ground and understand each other. Yeah, because that's, I mean, we're all, we're all on this rock together, right? So, so why, might feel the need to, I mean, to kill one another, to make each other feel like shit, because I know if I was in other people's shoes, like say if I, if I was, if I was just to go off on somebody for having a different opinion and I was to call them names and I would like actively look for ways to try to get them angry and hurt them. I know objectively, if I was to look at that situation and I would be that person on the other end, getting all this shit for me, uh, it would, it would really affect me. Like it would, it would have a profound effect on my life. And that, that might just be me, but I don't know why you would want to put any sort of negativity on somebody else when they're a human being, just like you, they're trying to go through life, just like you They're Everyone's trying to do the same things. I mean, real, realistically, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to find a sense of community, whether that's friends, whether that's love, whether that's family, we're trying to figure out our purpose. Like, what the hell are we here for? Like, what, what is my, what is my calling in life? What am I passionate about? Every human being on this planet is searching for the same things, maybe in different ways and taking different roads to get there. But again, that common ground is there where we're all trying to find that shit. 
So why, what's the point of, of dividing each other and, you know, trying to point out the differences when, like you mentioned, we should be highlighting the, the similarities and, and just be good people. Right. And there's so many different avenues to take in life that no avenue, no decision is going to affect someone else if you're just wanting to live your life, you know, in a, in a decent way, you know, and that's something worth saying is we're all on this rock. We're all trying to get through the same crap. You know, we're trying to survive. We're trying to make a living. We're trying to understand why we are here. And all these divides, all the negativity doesn't really make sense because we're all on the same boat, you know, but we take different avenues with our lives. Some people want to get a college education. Some people want to go into the trades. Some people want to go totally off the grid and hunt and provide for themselves. You know, there's just so many different ways you can go with your life. And as long as you're not hurting someone else, and as long as you're doing you and you want to be passionate about what you're doing, you're not hurting anything. Go for it. You know, yeah, they should. You should do what you feel is right to do for your own life. Everyone, everyone has their own path, right? Yeah. And you mentioned as long as you're not hurting people, whether that's, uh, you know, knowingly or otherwise, you should, you should follow your intuition, your heart, your mind, whatever, whatever drives you, you should follow that to, to get to where you're happy because, you know, this life is not permanent. It, it's, it's very finite and we're all, we all started the same way. We're all going to end the same way. So why not try and be friendly to, to each other while we have time and just go through life together and figure it out together. Not, not condemn somebody because they may, you know, may not know as much, you know, about you in a certain area because everyone I feel like everyone has the ability to do great things. It's whether, and there are a lot of factors that could play into that, but the bottom line is that we just need to be decent people to each other and, and, and right. stop fucking around and, and trying to, to hurt each other and, and create more division because in the end, all we're doing is hurting each other and we're making it harder for, for generations after us to deal with this shit. Exactly. And, you know, I think the main thing that's depleting over the years, especially with social media and with everything going on, is people forget to be compassionate to other people. Compassion is something that is lost in our society. People don't know how to relate to other people. People don't know how to react to things besides anger. You know, it. I don't know. I just think personally that society as a whole has lost compassion. Yeah. As people were, we're losing the personability. We're losing essentially the, the human side of us and we're, we're immersing ourselves more and more into, into technology. And yeah. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but we are, our technology is so far advanced from even what it was 20 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, that 
in the civilization that we have now uh, in the in the developed world, everything is electronic based, right? All of our knowledge, everything is kept in a computer or hard drive somewhere. So if we were to get wiped wiped from the face of the earth, right? And maybe, you know, if there was an asteroid to hit North America or somewhere in the Northern Hemisphere and we were all to be wiped out, and maybe the tribes, you know, in Central America and Central Africa were left. Like, there would be no record of us because it would all be digital and it would all be destroyed. Right. And even if, you know, some sort of alien species were able to, you know, get everything reconnected, it would be like one giant, you know, uh, daytime television show <laughs> like what the hell are these people doing <laughs> but yeah it, and it's it's so finite with the you know everything that we have an emp could go off and we would lose everything yeah we would lose everything and if our supply chain were to go down because we're blessed with just having a grocery store a mile or so away right and everything that we could really want is stocked on that shelf, uh, you know, seven days a week. And whenever we want it or need it, we can go and buy it, bring it back here, get and consume it. Whereas if that was, if our supply chain infrastructure were to go down, we'd be fucked. Yeah. Because so many of us don't know how to survive. We have no survival skills. We're reliant completely on the infrastructure that has been provided for us that if all that were to go away, and we had to try and figure out how to build our own shelter, to hunt, to, you know, to be able to eat, to, 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 to just survive. So many of us would die off. For sure. And I would be probably one of the first. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, I'm trying to stand on crutches with a gun to try to <laughs> shoot a deer. I have no idea what I'm doing. But yeah, no, it's hard to say because people don't know how to um, do things without the supply chain and what we currently have. And I feel like people in general don't know how to stick up for themselves. They don't know how to self-advocate just in general, let alone in the survival world, you know? Well, and that, that revolves back to the whole opinion thing. We don't, we don't self-advocate a lot of the times because we're afraid of what other people are going to think. People who have different, you know, ideas and, and opinions about whatever we're trying to advocate about are, we're going to get backlash. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing, you know, people need to have a stronger skin, you know, to deal with other people because it's hard, you know, and I, Again, going back to going from high school all the way up north to even down here, you know, yes, I was more sociable in high school, but I learned all of my social skills and how to communicate with people effectively in college, being in the dorm, dealing with different people, going into group projects that some people don't know that don't do the work or, you know, dealing with a bad roommate or having to just deal with people in general and what they have to offer, you know, it, it just goes back to that. And that's where I'm real fortunate 
and actually started to advocate for myself and started to communicate with people more effectively in college. And yes, it was an expensive price tag, uh, but I think I learned more of my social cues than if I were to stay up in Northern Wisconsin. Well, yeah. I mean, you said it like, yeah, the, the price tag was there, but you formed all of your, uh, all of your skills and in, in the, basically the person that you are today from college. Right. Right. And I'm deathly afraid of the newer generations, especially with COVID not being able to have that experience, whether good or bad. We've all had bad roommates that we've had to deal with. We've all had bad group project members that we've had to deal with. It's essentially adapting and overcoming those obstacles uh, socially. And I feel like that's going to be lost with COVID and with technology. Yeah, it's because college at least... I don't want to say you're forced to because you actively have to apply and you spend money to apply, but whatever college you go to, you're almost forced in a way to experience that different way of, of life. Like you may in, in high school, you might be a top dog, right? But when you go to a different town, a different school, everything starts over again. Yeah. You're now the low person on the totem pole and you have to, you have to figure your shit out. You have to figure out, you know, what's, what you're passionate about, what's worth pursuing. Because I think that's a good thing about college too, is it, it allows you to, uh, to really dive deeper in terms of your own self-awareness and, you know, what trips your trigger and, and what makes you, what makes you happy. So, and to mention about, you mentioned uh, about compassion that we all need to have more compassion at the end of the day, which I totally agree. And, and on the subject of social media and like differing opinions and everything, you know, we mentioned you do have cerebral palsy. You did recently get diagnosed with another ailment, uh, another uh, disease, um, MS, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ha- have you experienced, so with, with your disabilities, have you experienced like any shaming or bullying from, I guess, not only in real life, but on social media as well? Not on social media. This is more of people have to visually see me. Um, Social media is pretty fine, but in real life, you know, regardless of the MS, which is recent, uh, that hasn't affected me too much yet physically. But, you know, being on crutches and, you know, having people see me like that, you know, they're like, oh, bless your heart. Or, oh, they're like overly nice, something like that. And it just kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird situation because, you know, I try to be as nice to people as I can, but sometimes people take advantage of handicap or they're too nice. They're like, Oh, bless your heart. Let me help you. Oh, he's trying, you know, it's just like, I'm kind of like a pet dog, you know? Right. And I I can speak on that because going out with you into various public places and doing different things. I mean, I see where people just like stare at you 
And, you know, I want to, I want to say something to them. Like, what, what the hell are you looking at? Like, what's your problem? Like, like they look at you like you're an alien almost. Yeah. Like I'm basically a part of a zoo exhibit, you know, and I hate it too, because little kids are so curious Mm. and little kids are so innocent. And here comes mom shooing the little kid away from the guy on crutches because the kid wants to ask, what are those? you know, what's, you know, what's up with that, you know, and I would rather be like, Hey, you know, these are crutches. I'm a normal person, da, da, da. But when you whisk your child away, because I'm different than you, mm-hmm. then that teaches the child to fear uh, someone who is different. Right. Or, or to actively avoid in some cases. Yeah. Know? And that's, that's messed up because yeah, like you said, you, you, Sam, you, you are, you are as normal as normal can be, right? You've just, you've gone through and had to go through things, different things than, you know, than, than some people have had to go through otherwise, you know, but, but the thing is, uh, and I want to touch on to sort of what, what MS is and, and, you know, what that whole situation and outlook is, but, um, it's you know, definitely not a monkey scrotum. Right, right. <laughs> yes, for those who thought it was monkey scrotum, it's not that. Um, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I know, I bet some of them, so, some of you guys thought it was monkey scrotum. It, it we can officially say it's not. But, um, <laughs> but I, it, it really bugs me because, like. What, and I, I'm biased because I know you and I, you know, I know how smart you are and I know how, you know, able you are like, yes, you might, you know, spend a lot of your time in the wheelchair around the apartment or, you know, you need crutches when you go out in public, but like that in people's minds, I feel like that is a sign of weakness. And like people, people view that as, uh, like you mentioned, like they shoo their kids away and they're conditioning them to, to react like that whenever they see somebody who's not like them. Right. You know, they, they're being conditioned to, Oh, he's, he's got crutches. I need to, I need to try. I need to actively try to look away, not make eye contact. And I need to just, you know, keep my head down. But it's like, no, like Sam's normal dude, like just come have a talk with him. Like he'd be more that you'd be more than willing to talk with people like and educate them. And that's important because not a lot of people experience, you know, people who are on crutches or, you know, with different disabilities all the time, especially from smaller towns. Uh, so being able to come up and, and talk and, and just realize that there's nothing wrong with this guy. Like he's, he's just, he's got things that he has to deal with that not a lot of us do, but he's still, he's still fucking going strong. Like there's like, there's nothing that, you know, you should try to compensate for. No. And I can basically do everything a normal person can. It's just going to be interesting with the MS in the future, how that's going to affect me. But, you know, in a way, my, disabilities affected me because I've always had to be 
the one that's outspoken. I could easily be a wallflower that everyone would stare at because, right. you know, having a disability, but not having a voice. And I see this a lot in the handicapped community. Uh, it, you know, there's a lot of people like me that are 100% open and there's people who are shy, uh, rightfully so. It's hard to interact with, you know, normal people as well because you don't know how they're going to accept you. But in the interim in my life, I have been blessed because it's teaching, it taught me patience and it taught me how to advocate for myself and it taught me how to communicate with people, you know, and that's one thing I'm fortunate for. Granted, I've been through hell and back with plenty of surgeries and plenty of different things that have gone wrong in my life. But, you know, looking basically outside of my feelings about my disability, it has really molded me into the person that I am today. And I think I'm a pretty cool guy, you know, and I think I've learned a lot from my disability. And I think other people have learned from me, too. You know, you can't judge a book by its cover because everyone's like, oh, hey, Sam, you know. I know everyone in town here. Everyone knows me. You know, I'm loud-mouthed and stupid, but so is everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. You'll find that, especially in Wisconsin. You'll find a lot of people who are uh, definitely boisterous. Uh, but, yes. But we, <laughs> we said before, you, you have cerebral palsy. You recently got diagnosed with MS. For those who don't know, what, what is MS all about? So, and keep this in mind, I'm fairly new with this new diagnosis. It's an autoimmune disease that attacks the neurons in your brain and or spine and uh, essentially causes issues uh, with feeling, mobility. It can cause issues, you know, continence-wise. You know, it, it affects people at different times because it essentially forms lesions in the brain because your immune system is keeps attacking, you know, these nerve sheaths that affect the signals around your brain. Just like CP, how it's just damage, this one is new forming damage and can happen to any sectors of your brain. So that's where it's scary because it can vary flare up to flare up and it can affect different parts of your mind, therefore your body. Um, luckily, they have 20 different treatments. I haven't gone over treatments yet just because I'm so new at this diagnosis. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're close to getting a cure from my understanding. Uh, luckily, it's a fairly new diagnosis for me. It's apparently 20 years ago, there wasn't any uh, uh, treatment for it or cure or anything like that. Uh, if you had it, you had it, and people were extremely affected. Now, they've slowed the progression, and they're close to developing a cure. So I'm glad to have been diagnosed at the time you know, that I've had it diagnosed 
you know, it sucks that I've had this, you know, but whatever. It's at least it's towards basically it's like the end of polio. You know, you don't see anyone with polio anymore. MS is going to be like polio. It's going to be a thing of the past. Okay. Well, that's uh, that. Yeah, that's good. And like you said, it's you're towards the very beginning of this, like just finding this out, you're figuring things out about it and hearing, um, you know, news about it and, and just learning about MS in general. And so my question, do you know, is there, so you've had cerebral palsy pretty much your whole life, right? So yeah, is, is there a connection that you know of between CP and MS? Or is this something no. that um, can happen to anyone at, at, at any time? Anyone at any time. People will be normal, and then one day they're not. They don't know what causes uh, your immune system to start attacking your uh, nerve cells and that. They don't know what effect causes that. You can have it at a young age. You can have it in an old age. You know, anytime uh, anyone can develop MS. And it ranges uh, with severity as well. There's people that have lost the function to even breathe. Um, people have lost their vision seemingly overnight. Um, how I originally... Um, started to feel different is, uh, you know, I'm able to feel everything, but with MS, uh, it started attacking the feeling in my hands and legs. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, I, I was sitting at a bar having a beer and my hands started shaking violently and I'm like, something's really wrong. And then like my left leg went numb and my face went numb. I'm like, something's going on here. Uh, went into the ER and uh, they strapped a monitor for my heart rate uh, to my finger. And basically I was giving out like SOS codes because I couldn't stop moving my finger. And the doctor's like, there's something really wrong with that. So I went and had a MRI and they found uh, fresh lesions in my brain that are very similar to having MS. And then they recently did another MRI of my spine and found lesions in my spine, uh, confirming that I have MS. Okay. And you said, so right now it's still so much in the early stages that you don't know about your treatments or anything like that. Uh, right. Cause you said there's 20 different ones. So that's, that's definitely has to, you know, give you give you a sense of hope, especially. And is is MS is that a uh, uh, is that a disease that uh, you know gets worse with time, or is it pretty like once you once you get it, it's pretty much the same kind of symptoms for the duration. It's very progressive, so it gets worse over time because your immune system just keeps attacking your nervous system for no apparent reason. So it can attack different parts of your brain. And like I said, overnight, people have gone blind. People have gone incontinent. People have lost mental capacity, which I hope never happens. Right. You know, it affects people, you know, overnight or it affects them over a long time. It just depends on your immune system and how it interacts with your brain. 
for whatever reason, randomly, your immune system just will start attacking things. Okay. So, so now knowing that you have MS and, you know, and CP do, are those going to affect each other moving forward or are they still going to be separate? And, you know, you like, you don't have to worry about the MS, you know, uh, enhancing, you know, your CP or vice versa. No, it's just the MS is more, I don't want to say lethal, but it's more advanced than CP. CP, it just basically, it's a, it's my baseline. MS is something that's a wild card that I don't know how it's going to affect me in the future. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they'll have a cure soon for it. Uh, They keep talking about it, Uh, but uh, it's just more progressive, which is hard to hear. Right. And, you know, as somebody, like you said, who's, who's done so much, you know, not only, and I'm not trying to make that sound like, Oh, he's disabled. He's done so much as a disabled person, just as a person in general, you've accomplished a lot of things like, and, you know, to, to, to hear that you have these disabilities, you know, it definitely adds, adds a level of, you know, impressiveness, because if you take those disabilities away, still what you've been able to do in your life up to this point and where you're at is still a lot farther than a lot of people can get in terms of, you know, success and happiness. And granted, yes, I know that you are, you're still looking to, to reach that peak happiness, right? You're still trying to figure things out. I am too. And a lot of people are, and I don't know if there's a specific age where we figure shit out or not. I'm definitely not there. I'm not even close, but no, um, you know, it's for me, it's like just having a comfortable living. You know, I make enough to make ends meet, but I don't make enough to, you know, get a house or pay off my debt, you know, and I've made a lot of stupid financial decisions, but you know, you got to make do with what you have and college education's expensive. Cars are expensive. Living is expensive. And it goes back to everyone is trying to figure out the same crap. And, uh, unfortunately it, it, it takes a lot of time to figure out what you want to do in this world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I like the job that I'm at. Do I want to stay there the rest of my life? No, you know, eventually I want to do something else. Uh, what that is, I, I have no clue, but at some point you have to have faith and, yep. you know, that all of us will figure it out. It's like a giant puzzle who knows (laughs) a giant puzzle that we don't we don't have the answer key to um so we're yeah we're we're trying to figure things out as we go and you know where i was going like a a monopoly i just keep going to jail (laughs) (laughs) or land down income tax (laughs) (laughs) just constantly just back and forth between those two blocks that's it I just have Baltic Avenue, unfortunately. (laughs) Like, just like that, man, it's where I was going with, you know, mentioning the, the disabilities and how far you've come and everything. Like, I don't, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to 
and I hope people don't take this as like, I'm trying to say, Oh, you're disabled. You've come this far. I just want you to know. And I don't think I've told you this actually from friend to friend, regardless of, you know, fuck the disabilities because that, that doesn't define who you are. Right. And friend to friend, I want you to know how much I respect you for, for the person that you are, you know, because it's, it's, because you're outgoing, you're willing to talk to anybody and everybody. You're willing to talk about any and everything, and you're you're never condescending. You know, no. you you always you take time out of your day. If somebody, like you said, if, if people have different opinions, I, I've heard you many times talk to people and try to educate them instead of attack them. And you know, at the end of the day you are very compassionate as you so mentioned earlier that we all need to have more of as just human beings. You're, you're a good guy, like genuinely you're a good person. And I think we need more people who, um, you know, are able to be good, you know, like you are. And, you know, somebody who is constantly motivated to better himself, you know, and you're not complacent. Like, you're not like, like you said, you don't want to be at the same job that you have forever. Like you're still searching for that ideal situation, you know, to be able to obviously make more money, but to be happy as well, to be at a place where you can be like, all right, I'm doing good. Like, you know, let's, let's enjoy life a little bit more now. Like, I want to commend you for having that mentality, my friend, you know, you know, and that's the same with you, you know, the same with you. You're a compassionate guy and it's hard for people to express feelings, you know, and, you know, yes, I want to do more in my life. Do I get, you know, depressed some days? Oh, hell yeah. You know, nothing, a couple glasses of scotch won't fix, but (laughs) you know, uh, you, you just got to live life and you got to roll with the punches and eventually I'll figure things out just as you will too. Um, and you just have to be open with life because if you become sheltered, what kind of life is that, you know, and it varies person to person, but, you know, if you're in your, you know, parents' basement, you know, just doing whatever, and and I feel bad for you. You gotta take the world by the balls and figure shit out as it comes. Yeah. You gotta be willing to try different things. And yeah. You know, if you know, as we, chick- what's that? Except for chicken liver. <laughs> yeah. For, for anyone who wants to know, Sam is a very big fan of chicken liver. That's uh, he prefers to eat that over any other dish. So if you're ever at a restaurant with Sam, or catch him out in public. Uh, just talk to him about chicken liver. He he could go on for hours about it. But, um, but you know, as we as we you know wrap up our, our first session here, um, which has been awesome, by the way. It's the main points that we've made throughout this this conversation can be you know can be the same through through each different area that we talked about. You know, whether that's talking about where you started. And how you got to where you are now, talking about technology, social media, all that kind of stuff. And then just talking about being a person on this planet, right? The, the main things reign true and they all connect. 
in that we need to, we just need to be good people. You know, we, we, we need to be more compassionate for each other and understand at the very least that the person across from us is, is, is trying to get to the same places, maybe not the exact same places, but trying to get to the same headspace, you know, as we are, we're trying to you know, find love, find relationships, find purpose. And, you know, we, we need to stop being such assholes. We just, we need right. to live life and we need to enjoy this life with, with those around us. Empathy and compassion. And then having the gumption to adapt and overcome whatever comes our way, you know, and you have to have strength and you have to have faith and believe in yourself. And I can preach about that, but some days are harder than others, you know, but eventually we are all working towards the same ultimate goal of happiness. And no matter what path you want to take, you know, you just want to live a happy life and you want to be fulfilled and having setbacks, you know, that's always going to happen in your life. And to leave everyone on a good note, you just got to keep on trucking. You got to keep on moving. Um, and eventually you'll figure things out. And I'm in the same process as everyone else. We're all moving towards that ultimate goal. Yep. Everyone. Yeah. Like you said, everyone has ups and downs and you just, you gotta, you gotta find some nugget of positivity and hold on to that because that can be, that really could be life-saving, right? Whether that's, whether that's a random conversation you had with a total stranger, right. And they said something that stuck in your head as like something like that took you outside of your own mind that made you realize, you know, life, is is bigger than just what you're experiencing right now in the moment and you're feeling all this emotion about or if it's if it's family if it's your friends if it's you know a potential job if it's school there's so many things where you can find that positivity and i know i know it's it may seem hard sometimes but the fact of the matter is that if you take a step back and you think there is going to be something there and, it, and you need to be able to recognize that, hold on to it and run with it because things do get better no matter what kind of situation that you're in. Things may seem dark now, you're full of, you're sad, you're upset, you're pissed off, but you know what? Tomorrow is another day. You know, you, you let's live life each day, one day at a time. And let's, let's just try to be better. You know, let's, let's strive towards something. Definitely. So I'm going to, I'm going to get off my high horse now. Uh, I, I just, I feel like some people need to hear that because, um, you know, that's not something people, people do hear very often, but it's like, I, and I want people to know too, if anyone who listens to this, one of the 10 people who listen to this or, or whatever it is, um, is, is truly struggling with something, no matter what it is. I don't give a shit what it is. I mean, I give a shit, but what I, when I say that, it means no matter what it is, like it could be, it could be anything. If you're struggling with it, I want you to feel like you can talk to me or, 
or you can talk to one of your friends because anyone who's here, who's, who calls themselves a friend of yours, if they can't talk to you about things that are bothering you, then they shouldn't be your friend. But there everyone's are people going through something different and everyone's yes. going through some sort of challenge, whether it be visual or not, you know, it, not to be pessimistic, but life right now sucks. Yeah. For a lot of people. It's yeah, the toughest it's been. Yeah, it's it's been awful. <laughs> so let's all talk, you know, because sometimes you can't solve things on your own. Nope. And uh sometimes your inner psyche plays tricks on you. Yeah. And uh, you know, you just gotta get through life. And same with all of us. So yeah, definitely reach out to fam- family, friends, uh, reach out to whomever and uh, let's get it done. Let's, let's, I don't know if Sam said, let's get her, let's get her done or let's get it on, but I love both. So, okay. um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, let, let's just, um, let's just keep in mind, you know, let's, let's just, let's just be better people to each other and, and more compassionate and, and uh, you know, let's get through each day together because we're here together. Let's, let's stay positive. Let's get through this life together. And until the next episode, I'll, uh, I'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace. See you guys later. Peace.